should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull****. It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome. It's Tuesday. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Fong, our producer, is in studio. It's January 26th, and I can't believe it, Fong. January is pretty much over. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> have this you is the last week. It's the last week. So how, how have you been doing with your New Year's resolutions? I usually don't have them. I don't really believe in them. So I just go along with the flow. You're just living life. It's another year for you. Well, you had no resolutions. There are lots of people who made their resolutions. Hopefully you've kept them. If not, hey, you're still loved and you're still wonderful. I don't think I had any specific resolutions. Um, I was going to (laughs) ask. No, I mean, wow, the 2016 has proven to be just one of those years where, you know, you you were not supposed to catch a break. I, I mean, since January 1st, it has just been one thing after the other after the other, and there's a lot happening around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think the energy is that we're supposed to just keep moving and move very, very, very fast. Mm-hmm. The sun seems to be rising and and setting very, very quickly. And I don't know if that's just a, a, a quick message to human beings. Mm. You're getting older, faster. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Let's get today's program started. Today's show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our guest today is Joanna Harper, who has an article out on the Washington Post titled, Do Transgender Athletes Have an Edge? I sure don't. Joanna is a medical phys- physicist at Providence Portland Medical Center in o- uh, Oregon. I almost said Oakland. I'm keeping it. Bay Area, Oregon. Uh, let's welcome Joanna to the show. Joanna, thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. Um, you know, I've had this conversation before, especially uh, with uh, when we interviewed Fallon Fox, who's the first transgender female MMA fighter, and there were so many doctors who tried to, uh, well, not doctors, I'm sorry, so many fans and so many people who tried to refute even doctors' opinions regarding transgender athletes. Um it's a, it's a, you know, I, your entire article answers just that. Do transgender athletes have an edge? Uh, the answer is no. Well, I didn't actually write this headline, and I wouldn't have written it that way. But the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> transgender women and cisgender women, and I hope I don't need to explain that term, no. are, are two different population groups. So if you compare one group to another... Of course, there are advantages 
and disadvantages associated with either group. But any advantage that transgender women may have athletically over cisgender women is not so large as to render uh, competition unfair between the two groups. And there are disadvantages that transgender women have as well, and, and certainly very few people would consider that. What are those disadvantages? I mean, we oftentimes hear of the, uh, you know, the myths that transgender women are stronger, faster. Uh, but we don't talk. We don't talk about the disadvantages, and that's something new that you bring up. Um, well, the most obvious disadvantage is that transgender women actually have less circulating testosterone uh, in their bodies than cisgender women. Um, cisgender women. Uh, produce testosterone in their ovaries and in the adrenal glands, almost 50-50 from from each of those two regions. Um, Transgender women, after surgery, don't have gonads, and so only produce in the adrenals. Prior to surgery, um, they uh, take medicine that uh, damps the testosterone production, and in many cases is lower even than transgender women have after surgery, that that medicine is so effective at blocking testosterone. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Fallon Fox um, in the opening, and in Fallon's case, I mean, you even had uh, uh, one of her opponents try to argue bone density, and that there was a difference there between transgender men and, and uh, I'm sorry, transgender women and cisgender women. Uh, what are your thoughts about bone density? Well, there is a difference between the bone density of, of transgender women and cisgender women. And certainly um, anyone who goes through male-type puberty will have thicker, heavier, denser bones. Um, once you no longer have testosterone supporting that, you do start to lose the bone density, but it's a slow process. Um, and, and certainly the argument is you know, that it's more protective, uh, it, it's a base for, for greater strength. However, um, the, um, <clears throat> anyone who's in, in a, a fighting category has to fight in a certain weight category. And certainly, dense bones uh, <clears throat> are not the most efficient use of, mus- of mass. You'd want to use it for muscle instead of bone. Uh, furthermore, uh, because of their lower testosterone, uh, and testosterone is very much the fuel that drives our engines, then um, what you have is you have a smaller engine trying to move these larger, denser bones around. And so it's like comparing a a large car with a small engine to a small car with a small engine. In many ways, the small car with the small engine will outperform the large car with the small engine. Mm -hmm. So, yes, there is a bone density difference. Is it an advantage? Well, you know, there are some advantages to it. But overall, I would actually think it's more of a disadvantage than an advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you bring up a, a very great point. I mean, all athletes have disadvantages and advantages um, regardless, I think, of, of sex or gender. Um, y- you know, there's, there's, a, there's a question that I don't think it's so much about... I guess where I'm trying to go with my next question is that I I think that people just don't quite understand what happens to a body under hormone therapy. I mean, obviously they don't understand at all, and they're 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 just kind of reaching for 
the hatred part, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there is a hatred, a lack of understanding. Um, you know, when people look closely at these issues, if they look with any sort of open mind, you know, I, I think that, uh, that they would look at these things a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Um, the IOC brought in original rules allowing transgender women to compete in 2004. It's been 12 years, and transgender women have not taken over women's sport in that time, and it's not going to mm-hmm. happen. There's also something you bring up, um, you know, in, in this opinions piece about time uh, that a lot of people, do, you know, don't understand that that over time and taking hormones and what that does to your body. I think some, I, mean, I don't know how they, I think in each sport it's different uh, in, in terms of how doctors qualify transgender women to compete. Um, but time has a lot to do with it too. I mean, for the most part, we're not talking about someone who is d- deciding today, taking hormones today and then competing, uh, you know, just based off of one day's worth of hormone therapy, right? Right. And, and so there's this myth that, quote-unquote, men are, are, are going to be lining up to have uh, gender reassignment so they can dominate women's sport. Oh. I mean, that, that's a ridiculous suggestion. But, um, you know, yes, uh, each sport is different. As time goes on, uh, you know, the body changes. It, it's just huge changes. And one of the things that I have said many times to people who, who suggest, well, if I were to take hormones, I could be. I said, well, look, I can get you the hormones. Let's do an experiment, you know. And, and every guy backs off. You know, certainly they don't want to be the ones trying it because they have no interest in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me then this argument, which... Um continues is just, uh, you know, there's a lot of that uh, misunderstanding and lack of education. I mean, what do you know at all if if, uh, sports associations, if there have been any changes, if they're trying, if there are uh, any big efforts to trying to change that and, uh, and also get some education out to people who are really into sports. I mean, you know, sports here in America is a huge deal. It brings, it brings in a lot of money. It brings a lot of people. Well, certainly many female um, athletic governing bodies have been quite accepting um, and, you know, have made some effort. Um, not all governing bodies have been accepting, but... Um, you know, many have, uh, and certainly even the ones who haven't, once they look at this pretty closely, they always make the decision to let transgender women in. Once they let transgender women in, then they find fairly quickly that transgender women, you know, are not going to take over their sport, and they're often relieved at this. I'd like to go into detail. I mean, here in your opinions piece, you outline your own personal experience in um, in also competing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, uh, I've been competing uh, as a distance runner for many years. I'd prefer not to say precisely the number of years, but, but I, I started my transition in 2004. 
Um, I started uh, hormone therapy in August of 2004. Within weeks, I was noticeably slower. And within three months, I had lost more speed than I had ever guessed that I would would lose. Um, And less than a, a year, maybe eight, nine months after starting hormones, I resumed racing in female category in, in some small local races. And um, I was, my, my first race back was a half marathon, and I was 11 minutes slower over the 13-mile distance. Um, an incredible difference. Um, but more than just that, there are ways of comparing male performances to female performances. And when you did that, I was at the same competitive level that I had competed at relatively speaking, as a man, mm-hmm. um, which, which was a very eye-opening experience. Uh, but even more eye-opening, I found some other transgender women distance runners, and the same thing happened to them. And, and so it, it was, uh, you know, it was an epiphany. And so I started collecting data. I wound up getting enough uh, data for a paper, and I am to this date the only person in history who has published a scientific paper um, comparing uh, transgender uh, female athletic performance both before and after transition. I collected 200 race time from various transgender women, and collectively we uh, competed at the same level before and after transition. No difference. Joanna, we're going to take a quick break right here, uh, but when we come back, I'd love to continue my conversation with you. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. 
Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Tuesday, the 26th. I'm Michelle Miel, your host. Our guest today is Joanna Harper, and we're talking about transgender athletes. And, uh, and you know, it's been it's been a big discussion I, I, ever since um, Fallon Fox had come out as the first transgender MMA fighter, uh, transgender female MMA fighter. And um, I think that, you know, listening to Joanna today, we can ask that question and she can answer it emphatically, which is, can transgender women uh, compete with cisgender women? Yeah, I, you know, again, every sport is going to be different. And the fact that one group has advantages over another is <clears throat> and disadvantages is something that exists all across sport. Uh, if we talk about baseball, it is well recognized that left-handed baseball players have, especially pitchers and hitters, have huge advantages over right-handers. And yet left-handers are so disadvantaged at the position of shortstop that there will never be uh, a major league left-handed shortstop. So, so we accept this all the time. But when we talk about transgender women and cisgender women, then things get a lot more prickly. And, and you know, if you want to look at it you need, in detail, you would want to look at each sport, you would have to do a very careful analysis. But, but one of the things that, that I mentioned uh, more than once is, is the fact that in 12 years, we still don't have a single uh, transgender woman in the WNBA. And I think most people would say basketball would be the sport in which transgender women would have the largest advantage. Why haven't they taken over the WNBA? Why can't they even have one transgender woman in the WNBA? Well, it's certainly not that the WNBA won't allow it. In fact, they've been looking for a transgender woman. They would like to get a transgender woman in the league. It hasn't happened yet. I hope it does. Me too. And uh, I, I would say that, I mean, do you think that the advantage is, is height? Uh, I mean, oh, of I, course. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, there are many changes that come over transgender women when they go through hormone therapy. But height isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Height stays the same. I, I really appreciate, you know, the uh, the conversation that we're having. Um, that we're not, you know, we're we're focused on the facts here and not so much on uh, you know the opinions, right? Because as members of the LGBTQI community, both you and I will say equality till the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> trans women should be able to be in women's spaces. Um, period. Uh, but we're sticking to the facts and we're being very honest about it today. Do you, I mean, what what are we saying at, at the end of the day when we're talking about transgender athletes and cisgender athletes? I think that it's appropriate to say, I guess, you know, each sport has to be, it, it, we have to look at it from a, a case-by-case situation? Well, I, I, you know, the IOC, that's the Olympic Committee, governs, all manner of sports, and they have said that after one year of hormones, they will let transgender women compete in any sport in the Olympics. It's a fairly broad statement, and um, you know I, I think it's a reasonable statement. But but if you want to look at advantages and disadvantages, yes, mm-hmm. you you need to look at it, um, you know, sport by sport. But certainly. The transgender people 
have inalienable rights just like everyone else and and the right to play sports you know should be one of those rights and um so the IOC recognizes that sports governing bodies across the world are beginning to recognize that but at the same time their primary purpose is to ensure fair competition mm-hmm. and again people in these governing bodies, when they look at the science, when they look at the facts, when they look at the history, they see that allowing transgender women into women's sport does not jeopardize the fairness, the the more or less level playing field that exists for all women. Joanna, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us here today and for contributing to our conversation and for clarifying some stuff up. Uh, again, I, I really appre- appreciate the fact that we stayed with the facts today. Okay, so do I. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Michelle. The Michelle Meow Show continues right after this. Don't go away. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years and uh, over the past couple of months I just opened up my club Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody and that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need to, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, can I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time, so you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? This has always been my attitude. Um, just to entertain people, and so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity. And, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of time here to kind of uh, not shock us into it, but ease us into the fact that tax season 
is 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 here. It's January nineteenth, and so our good friend Sue Ellen from H and R Block is here with us. Our our tax therapist. I've I've just coined the term for you there. <laughs> I love it. I'm going with that. That's 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 what we're going to do now. No tax therapy. Uh, officially, you're though you're a tax pro. I think is what they call it now, right? That's right. That's a tax good. advisor and tax pro. Yes. So she's got her entire credentials set for us. So Sue Ellen, you know, we we uh, we had you on earlier. We kind of opened up um, our conversation with the fact that there are a couple things that people need to keep in mind as we open tax season, healthcare coverage and tax fraud. I want to go back to, you know, the health insurance part, because it, no matter how many times you talk about it, people are always going to continue to have questions about this, especially because those penalties are increasing. That's right. So the Affordable Care Act impacts all taxpayers, even small business owners. For tax filers with health insurance, compliance efforts will be uh, more stringent, I guess. Uh, taxpayers will be required to document that they have health insurance, which you mentioned last time, and they'll receive this new form. I mean, for someone, everyday person yes, like myself, a I new know. form, there's so many numbers. What is that new form? Well, uh, first of all, don't be worried. You'll be seeing a new form, and it's a 1095 form. And they're just for fun, there are three different versions of it. There's a 1095A, a B, and a C. And long story short, you'll be getting a 1095A if you went into the marketplace and purchased your health coverage. So that will come to you, and you'll need to bring that in when you have your taxes prepared. That one's very important to bring in so that your tax pro can take the information from the form and put it into the tax return. So you mentioned A, B, and C. So that's A, right. A is if you bought your uh, coverage from the marketplace yes. here in California, that's co- covered California. Of course. Uh, uh, the B and the C? Now, the 1095B is something uh, uh, that a, a person will receive generally if they work for the government or if they receive their health coverage through the government, Medicare, Medicaid, that sort of thing. Um, also, small employers will use those. Uh, 1095C is generally for everyone else who has health coverage through their employer. They'll now be issued those two forms, the, the B and the C. What I want people to know, what's important to remember, is those are what we call um, forms that are not required forms. So you will not need that to complete your tax return. Um, I have a quick question uh, to to expand upon that. I mean, a, a lot of us in the LGBTQ community are still domestic partners, um, you know, who haven't taken that extra plunge to, to change it formally, the, the marriage. And so if you fall under that category, one of you might be a dependent you, uh, or, you know, you're receiving health insurance from your partner's uh, employer. And so where do you fall in that form? Uh, I guess, you know, do you, are you filling out A, B, or C? Well, you're, these... Again, you're not filling out these forms. These forms come to you. They're informational basis. Got it. So if you have an employer-provided health insurance plan, uh, you will be getting a 1095C. And that information about you and your partner will all be on that form. It's informational. It's not a required form. So come on in. Even if you didn't get it, come on in to still get your taxes done. And you mentioned that we get this form, uh, or did you mention it when, when we actually get this form? Well, these forms will be coming out. They're employer-generated or government-generated. They generally should be coming out about February 1st. And I'm glad you brought up that date because 
I want people to know that the tax season is open. We can prepare your, your taxes now. They will remain on our servers, and then the IRS will open its, its doors, so to speak, on January 19th. That's the first day that the IRS will accept e-filed, <clears throat> excuse me, e-filed returns or even paper returns that you're mailing in. So January 19th, and they're open for business. You can still have your you know, taxes prepared. Absolutely. And we <laughs> urge people to come in sooner rather than later. And of course, we talked about this before, and, and that's a, a good way to avoid any tax fraud issues. Get them done sooner. And we're incentivizing people to come in. We're offering a sweepstakes the first 32 days of the season just to get people to come out and do it. Um, and I, I know you covered, you know, the, the why part, I mean, why we're getting uh, this form. Um, so I, I think we're pretty clear. You're getting a form 1095. It's informational and it's regarding your health care coverage. Uh, and those who need coverage now for 2016, open enrollment is? Open enrollment is, is happening now and it remains open until January 31st. I want people to know if they don't have health insurance at this point, Absolutely. Get into the marketplace. Get that insurance. Why? It'll, it'll save you penalties going forward. It's, it's too late to buy health insurance now for coverage that you needed in 2015. So you may be facing a penalty when your taxes are prepared now for last year. Um, unless you qualify for an exemption, all of the tax pros out there are ready, willing, and able to help you look for that. But if you don't have health insurance now, take care of that issue. Get into the marketplace. It's open until January 31st. I'm sure if uh, there are lots of you out there who might still have some questions. So if there are some lingering questions around health care coverage and penalties and your taxes this year, um, people can get a hold of you. How can they do that? Of course, they can always go to our website, hrblock.com. That's the best way, and you can find local offices that's wonderful. I'm in the San Bruno office um, on, on El Camino Real, 1310 El Camino Real. Thank you, Sue Ellen. I'm sure you'll be back with more tips for us. I'd love to come back. Thanks, Michelle. All right. There's some tips for you there regarding your health care coverage. It's, it's been, I think, you know, we get it. We get that we'll be penalized if we don't have health care, but then all the other little stuff, you know, how much will be, we be penalized? How are they going to you know, organize this. That's that's why Sue Ellen's here to help. So we'll continue the show right after this. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. 
and that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host, and uh, a good friend of mine has dropped in to help us through the opening of the tax season. I know for uh, for those who have tuned in, you probably have heard us talk about health care coverage. You've talked about the penalties if you don't have health care coverage and how that impacts your taxes and also something uh, such as tax fraud. But um, this year, I've been told that California has this new earned income tax credit. Uh, the state's lower income working families will be eligible for state and federal earned income tax credits, which are refundable. And there's nearly $4 million, $4 million on top of the $1,000 a day that H&R Block is giving away. But there's nearly $400 million available from the state credit uh, to eligible lower-income Californians. So what does this all mean? Well, Sue Ellen's going to walk us through it. Who is actually eligible for this tax credit? Well, thanks for having me, Michelle, and I'm glad you brought this up. This is something new for Californians who are lower-income working people. And California recognizes that there are people out there who, who could use a little help, and they've set aside $400 million dollars that's a sizable chunk of money. They've created essentially the California version of the federal earned income tax credit. That is awesome. I mean, it, I it's mean, a it's a great o- thing. It's awesome in that we've never had it before, and uh, it's not that there are not any eligible people. I mean, this is a lot of money that the IRS is setting aside, or the government. I should well, say. that's right. For a long time, the IRS has had this program, and now California has instituted it. It's the first year. What I want people to know, if they have qualified in the past for the federal earned income tax credit, or you hear EITC, then I want them to make sure they talk to their tax professional about the California version. Can I qualify for that? I Mm. want them to make sure they ask about it, because we don't want to leave any of that money on the table. Absolutely not. And, um, you know, what does a taxpayer need to do to get this credit? What do you actually need to do? Well, this is important. First of all, you have to file a California state income tax return. Now, I want to stress that because possibly these individuals, these hardworking individuals who are lower income, may not have to file a state income tax return because their income may fall below the threshold where they're required to file. However, In order to qualify for the California EITC, they must do a California return. So that's the first thing they need to know. It's very important. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap? Well, sure. Have uh, have these people come in when they do their returns. Ask about this because there are certain numbers you need to earn below, and it it the. amount that you can qualify for on the EITC is dependent upon the amount of money you earn, the number of dependents you may have. 
Um, those change for, for different people, um, of course. But just the important thing to know is they must file a California state tax return, and mm-hmm. they should ask their tax pro about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to clarify in the beginning, I mentioned the $400 million that's set aside. Uh, but on top of that, H&R Block is also giving away $1,000, but it's not that's just right. to anybody. Uh, tell us a little bit and expand on that special promotion. Well, we're trying to urge people to come in sooner rather than later and file their taxes. So for the first 32 days of the tax filing system, we're giving away $1,000 a day. It's wow. a random drawing. Anyone who comes in, their their name is thrown in the ring. They could win. That's a lot of money. That is The reason lot. we're doing it is because tax fraud is on the increase. And uh, we want to urge our people to come in sooner and do it. It's $1,000 a day for 1,000 people. So lots of money. That's a million dollars a day we're giving away. Thank you so much, Sue Ellen. If you want to be in touch with Sue Ellen, uh, Sue Ellen Smith, um, she's out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. But uh, if you're, uh, you know, wherever you are, I'm sure you can find an H&R Block tax advisor by heading to hrblock.com. Tune into the Michelle Miao Show weekdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern on Progressive Voices.